The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 234. Uh, I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BlueNewGreenNation.com. We are now uh, almost two weeks uh, removed from the Eagles' playoff loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not a lot going on, but we did have a retirement this week. But before we get to that, Brandon, I'm wondering if you have any uh, meat snacks that you'd like to talk about because I'd love to hear about them. I just, well, I just so happen to do. And you want to go to righteousfelon.com and use discount code BGN 15 for 15% off righteous felon craft jerky, the best meat snacks. And there's non meat snacks there as well. If you don't eat meat uh, or don't eat a lot of meat, but if you do, um, you should definitely check it out. Loyal listener, Rich Bobby. I was just going to say that Twitter that I retweeted. Yes, on my timeline, and I believe he is—he's a member of like their subscription. Which, if you really like Righteous Felon, you you can subscribe and probably get even better rates and everything. So you can check that out and get regular orders. Um, so check that out at RighteousFelon.com. And then, real quick, Jimmy, I wanted to mention that BGN Radio has been nominated for an award, oh. a podcasting mm, award. Maybe. I didn't even know. <laughs> I know you didn't even know. Uh, you can vote for BGN Radio in the Sports Podcast Awards with three easy steps. You have to register at sportspodcastawards.com. doesn't take too long. You go to the, quote, best team podcast okay. category, and then you vote for Bleeding Green Nation. So the if you didn't get – if I didn't explain that well or you didn't get it and whatever, you can actually just check out the description of this episode – Whatever app you're listening to, it's going to be there written mm. in the description. Rachel, our fantastic producer, will put it there. So uh, go do that because it would be very cool for us to win an award. It's not just for us. It's for you, the listeners as well, part of the community here. So go give that a vote. Who is giving this award can. out? And who are the other nominees? Sportspodcastawards.com, okay. Jimmy. You can check them all out there. But it, it honestly doesn't matter because we should be the winners. <laughs> You're not going to say who the other nominees are. How many? I'll just answer this. How many other nominees are there? Uh, I think when I saw it was like okay. six or so. Uh, but again, we're the one that counts. So please vote for <laughs> us. Thank you. 
All right. Brandon Brooks uh, announced his retirement on Wednesday. Not a surprise in the slightest on that announcement. Uh, he is going to apply to business school at the University of Penn. Uh, so good for him. But um thought we'd talk about him, uh, you know, quickly to start the, the show off. Obviously, one of the best uh, Eagles free agent signings in the history of the franchise, I don't think is uh, going too far to say. Uh, became, you know, arguably the best player at his position in the NFL, you know, between him and, and Zach Martin of, of the Cowboys, probably the top two guys at right guard uh, over the last, you know, half decade or so. Uh, major injuries started piling up for him over the last few years, torn Achilles. Uh, he had the shoulder injury that knocked him out for a season this year. Of course, he had the pec strain that uh, was supposed to keep him out eight to 10 weeks, somewhere in that ballpark, never returned. Uh, that injury happened in week two. So he is going on to uh, other interests other than football and uh, good for him. Uh, he spoke at length uh, at his retirement. Is, do you have like any Brandon Brooks stories or like, do you, um, you know, what, what, what are your sort of thoughts on, on his career here with the Eagles and, and sort of the legacy that he left behind? Obviously the anxiety stuff too is, is, uh, is, is what he'll be known for most uh, as well in his time in Philadelphia. Well, first of all, great first name, uh, most important <laughs> thing. Uh, and we should also mention that, you know, I don't know if you said this because I wasn't listening, but <laughs> the restructure, you know, that he agreed to um, basically made it so what? The Eagles cleared $12 million mm -hmm. in cap space this year. Obviously, you know, they're pushing some more of that money uh, into the future. It's kind of not well, too Well, not on that one. So the, the restructure they did this year was really all – all that was was he had – 13 million in salary. So he wasn't going to make that money anyway, retiring. You don't make your salary if you retire. So he just agreed to knock that salary down to the veteran minimum, which was like 1.2 million. And that way it's easier for the Eagles to carry him uh, on their roster be be from now until uh, after June 1st. Cause after June 1st, they can re at that point, it, it wouldn't be a release necessarily. They would put him on the reserve retired list um, but that wouldn't be added uh, kicking of the can down the road. It's just a simple pay cut is essentially what what that agreement was. Uh, so again, he'll only count for 1.2 million uh, salary wise uh, on the cap until he'll actually count for 7.1, I think, on the cap. Uh, whereas if uh, they had to carry him until June 1st, he would count for like 19 until then. So uh, they, they it's basically just short term relief. Uh, that that he did that, and then he'll, and again he'll be gone June second, June third, something like that after that June one deadline. So they redid his contract and they get more cap space, um, noting that. But as you know, for Brandon Brooks, the person and player and memories, um, yeah, I think personally, uh, I had a really good conversation with him after the twenty seventeen Super Bowl season. I think it was back in OTAs when I was working on this story about how the Eagles were one of the only teams that had like a returning offensive line mm -hmm. entirely. And I wanted to, to like ask him and ask the offensive lineman, like just how much does continuity mm -hmm. matter? Like not necessarily saying it doesn't, but like, like to what extent, like, I, like, you know, cause we talk about it all the time, but from their perspective, I thought it'd be interesting to get that. So, uh, and just had a really good conversation with him about that. And just the, the, just the way Brandon Brooks would talk to you is not in a way that would just be like a lot of players who are kind of just, you know, keeping things close to the vest or 
like he, he really thought about the question and he really like, had it was like a mm-hmm. real conversation it wasn't like the my microphone wasn't even on like we were just talking and that was really cool and i think that was kind of uh the vibe when you talk to him a lot you're just a very real dude and it was funny because that conversation somehow eventually turned into uh i think i was asking lane as well and i, I forget exactly how it happened but it somehow like evolved into how <laughs> like lane's comments about the patriots that off season and about how like it'd be kind of miserable to play for them <laughs> because of their culture. And then Brandon Brooks talked about how he almost retired back when he was playing for the Texans, when Bill O'Brien was there because it was miserable there as well. And, um, and that's one of the stories I'm probably most proud of um, getting to talk to him for that and getting the quotes for that. I thought it turned out really well. Um, so not to make it about me, but I just thought like the way um, he just spoke very candidly about not only that, but obviously, you know, his issues with anxiety as well and everything. Uh, just a really great guy, really great Eagle, great guy, smart. He's going to thrive in whatever he does. Obviously, you know, he said he's attending Penn or he's going to be applying and I'm he'll sure get he'll get in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and whatever he, he wants to do, he's going to have like a very incredibly bright future going forward. And honestly, one of my biggest things about Brandon Brooks was he was underrated from a national mm-hmm. perspective. He made three Pro Bowls, but he never made like an AP mm-hmm. All-Pro team. I think he made like some PWFA pfwa all pro teams but um the problem with brandon brooks in terms of how he was viewed was you know he came into the league as a third round pick right and out of miami ohio small school yeah so he didn't have like this big prestigious kind of thing like let's contrast that with a player like you Mm -hmm. know zach martin who went to notre dame and was drafted by the cowboys i think those players weren't super far off and maybe Brandon Brooks was even better at some Mm -hmm. steps of the way, but you know, Zach Martin just, and I'm not trying to hate on Zach Martin. I'm just saying for comparison or for contrast sake, like that player is going to get all this hype and all this national praise. And I don't think Brandon Brooks got that. And, um, you know, and Jason Kelsey, like also obviously took him Mm -hmm. time to break through as a six round pick and, you know, Cincinnati. So those guys who kind of come on from not the top programs and aren't top picks, it takes those offensive linemen, you know, a little bit more time. So, so that's something I remember too, is him just kind of, he'll always be kind of underrated to me from a national perspective, but obviously a great Eagles player, um, you know, member of the Super Bowl team, uh, really can't say enough good things about Brandon Brooks. Yeah. That continuity that they had along that offensive line was huge for that 2017 season. And it, I thought like the offensive line was as big a reason for their success as any that year. And in the Super Bowl, um, you could see like on film, how just they're all totally in sync um, on some of the longer runs that the Eagles had in that game. Like there was a long run by uh, JHI off the right side. Uh, the LeGarrette Blunt touchdown run was huge. Uh, there was, I th- actually, I think it was, there are two different like Eric Blunt runs that, that were like totally set up by just stellar offensive line play. So that was a huge part. And you look at like the right side of that offensive line that they had over the course of those, you know, that half decade or whatever with Jason Kelsey at center, uh, Brandon Brooks at right guard and Lane Johnson at right tackle, like by far the best in the NFL. Like when you go from like center to right tackle, like there wasn't any, any team close to that, uh, over the last half decade or so. And, you know, the Eagles, uh, Oh, a lot of their success uh, to those three guys on that side of the line. The story that I, um, you know, have about Brandon Brooks was you know, we all like know his uh, battles and struggles with anxiety and and how he was, um, you know, very vocal about them and open to talking about it to raise awareness for other people that suffer from it. Uh, kind of trying to let them know, like you know, like you tweeted from his press conference. 
um, you know, don't be afraid to, I don't remember exactly what it was, but don't be afraid to live in your own skin. What was it exactly? Yeah, I think it was really simple, but it was really uh, profound, which is why it caught my attention. Um, I want to get it right, so I'm looking it up here. It's The quote is, it's okay to be comfortable That's in it. your skin. It's okay to be yeah. you. So, um, you know, he he brought a lot of awareness to, and I think a lot, a lot of Eagles fans and, and even beyond, um, you know, who suffer from anxiety. And Lane Johnson even had this message too this year was, you know, don't bottle it up. <laughs> like if you if you suffer from anxiety, do something about it. Uh, reach out and, and get help from it because it's just it'll fester and it's just not good for your mental health if if you don't acknowledge that you have that and do something about it. So anyway, um, we all knew the story about about Brandon Brooks and and whatever leading up to the the Super Bowl game and uh, out in uh, Minneapolis they had this big huge room like a like in the mall of America, like this big empty room and they had tables set up and it was basically for, for uh media access for everyone to go up and, and like every player, both on the Eagles and the Patriots uh, were, were in this giant room and, and you could go up to, they're all sitting at like individual tables and stuff. And Brandon Brooks was at a table with, uh, I believe it was Will Beatty. And so like I, I needed to talk to Will Beatty about something like totally unimportant. Like, I think it was, I was just doing something on uh, all the Eagles uh, acquisitions that they had made either that off season or during the season uh, of players that had been to Super Bowls in the past. And uh, he was one of them. So I needed to talk to him and he's sitting. <laughs> so like, there's like, you know, seven or eight guys interviewing guys, gals interviewing uh, Brandon Brooks, all about the anxiety stuff. And I sit down and I, and I try to talk to Will Beatty and Will Beatty's like, he's like, I, I don't like, I'm listening to this right now to like to the Brandon Brooks stuff. Uh, and I was like, Oh yeah. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, Oh, I guess, you know, he's sort of new to the team. I guess he doesn't know anything uh, about this or whatever. And, um, but like, you know, from my perspective, I'm like, okay, well, I guess, uh, I'll move on to the other, to the next guy on my list that, uh, is, uh, is, you know, was, was acquired and went to a Super Bowl previously. But then I'm sitting there for like a minute and I already knew the whole story about Brandon Brooks. Like I'd heard him tell it before at length, like a couple different times. And I wound up sitting there listening to it for like a third or fourth time for like, instead of like going about like doing my work, like the things I had to get done like that day, like the players that I needed to talk to, I wound up sitting there for like another 20, 30 minutes listening to to him talk about uh, his battle and struggles with anxiety and all that stuff. And uh, he's just a really captivating person, uh, real, really good guy. And, um, you know, I, I wish him like it was from my perspective, like it was a privilege uh, to cover that guy o- over the last five, six sure. years. Yeah. Um, great player and by all accounts, great dude. And again, going to have a ton of success, whatever he decides to do uh, after playing football. So, and I think that's important. Um, you know, and he's going to be, he's going to be staying in Philly. It sounds like, you know, long-term uh, he said, this is his home now. So, you know, hopefully um, we'll get to see him in terms of media and stuff pop up, you know, and still have like, you know, mm-hmm. a presence here and I'm sure we will see him. Uh, so, Looking forward to that. And obviously when the Eagles eventually honor him in their, assuming they'll put him in their Eagles Hall of Fame uh, one day, uh, all well-deserved. Looking forward, Jimmy, you just have to figure out what they're going to do on their offensive line and who they're going to start. And obviously a big domino to fall here or one to watch if it does fall, I guess, or not, is Jason Kelsey (laughs) and if he's back or not, which is, and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit, but um. So do we want to assume there's a version here where Jason Kelsey is back and one where yeah, he's not? Yeah, why don't not? we look at like what we think the O-line configuration will be 
in 2022. And we'll do it two different ways. One way with Kelsey returning and one way with Kelsey uh, also moving on uh, to retirement. Um, first of all, we're going to get to this, actually. We have like a, a, a sh- you know a short list of guys that we think like are, we're going to sort of give our, our opinions on whether they'll stay or go. But let's start with Jason Kelsey. <laughs> like, I think that's the really the one guy from that list that uh, there's really no answer because, I mean, nobody really knows. I remember there was a port, a report last year that uh, that said uh, that this was going to be his last year. And we're talking about 2020 was going to be his last year. And then that was wrong. Uh, he came back in 2021, of course. Took a while for him to, to decide on that. Didn't I can't remember if he uh, sort of uh, put that out publicly that he was coming back like just before free agency or was it the draft? Do you remember last year? For twenty twenty. Or 2021, 2021, when he decided to come back. Was that right before the draft, I think? Well, the Eagles did something with his contract, right? Yeah. Like, they mm-hmm. did something with his contract to kind of confirm he'd come back. But, yeah, he, he didn't actually it, – it took a, it took a while for him to announce. Like, it was at, a, it was at least, like, mid-March. But I think it was actually April. But it was at least mid-March that he, you know, made his decision on, on whether to come back or not. And for him, it's a year-to-year thing. He's got a weird thing in his contract where, like – He's guaranteed like some ungodly, uh, you know, guaranteed money on, I believe like it's $30 million or June something. 3rd that kicks in. So it's set up in a way where the Eagles can release him after June 1st if um, they, you know, if, if Kelsey decides that uh, he's either going to retire or they can't get a new contract done with him. It's actually kind of interesting. Like he was essentially on a one year deal worth uh, $9 million this year. Um, the highest paid center in the NFL is, uh, I believe Frank Ragnow, whose average annual value is like 13.5. I believe there's a good argument that Kelsey could be like, <laughs> you should make me the highest paid center in the league for one year. Uh, seeing as, you know, I'm first team all pro and still probably the best center in the NFL. So I, I think there's like a lot to sort through there and just in, from just beyond, you know, whether he still wants to play or not. Um, but yeah, he was a first team all pro. It's his fourth one. I don't have an answer for like, I don't have a good answer on whether he's going to stay or not. Do you have any sort of like gut feeling on that? Uh, I mean, we've heard rumors of his retirement dating back to 2018, mm-hmm. really, right? Back when there was like the report that some, his dad or whatever, or some of his family members had get, gotten the sense that he was going to walk away. So, you know, it's been, it's every yeah. off season. We don't know. So it's impossible to know. I tend to think he, if I had to like lean a certain way, I can't say I feel def- like confident about either direction, but if I have to lean, if I had to pick one of the two ways to lean, I would lean that he does just because he's been playing at a high level. And I don't know, it feels kind of like a little weird to walk away at this point, just in terms of like where the season left off. Is that the note you want to go on out on with this, you know, blowout loss to the, the bucks. But of course, of course there's no guarantee he gets better. <clears throat> so I don't know. Uh, I think to, to tend to think he might be back just because he's still able to play at a high level and uh, another season that he comes back and he, you know, he's all pro or pro bowler again, that's only going to help his case for Hall of Fame, which I don't know necessarily how much he cares about, but might to some extent. He loves to play. Uh, I mean, so I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, like a, it's probably the best argument for him, you know, to, to maybe come back. Uh, so. I don't know. Anyway, O-line configuration. How do you have it uh, if he does return? So we know Jordan. So Jordan Mailata and Lane Johnson are locked in. You know, that's all right. We know that the tackles. So it's all about the guards. Um, If Kelsey is back, 
I'm going to say, well, then you, you keep Landon Dickerson. Or wait, or do you? All right, now, now I'm thinking about it. Uh, I think maybe just keep Samalo actually at left guard and move Dickerson back over to right guard, which he did play a little bit, right, early yes. in the season. Yeah, he filled in for Brooks initially when he got hurt. Yeah. So I think you might just do that. Samalo doesn't really have experience, right, over on the right side, or at least not in a long time, not recently. So I think they might just go that way. Um. What yeah, it's you? interesting because he and Mylata were really dominant. <laughs> Dickerson and Mylata were very dominant on that left side, and I think they, you know, kind of had something going there. So um, it'll be interesting to see if the Eagles would disrupt that. Uh, but I sort of agree with you that uh, say Amalo comes back, he's probably like the, his best position is going to be at left guard. Do you want to move him over and chance that he's not going to be as good there? Maybe an underrated trade candidate, say Amalo, but I don't see that really either. Um, who's going to want to trade for a guy that's been hurt as much as he's been over the last few years. So I do think that he'll probably fill right back in at left guard and, and uh, Dickerson will, you know, slide right back in at right guard. I think people will disagree with that move. Uh, but, but that's sort of the way that I see that as well. Now, if Kelsey doesn't retire or excuse me, if he does yeah. retire opening that up that hole at center, who do you got moving in the center? I think it would be Ike. I think it'd be mm-hmm. Isaac and then Dickerson at left guard and then either Jack Driscoll or Nate Herbig, or if the Eagles draft someone or sign someone. So I don't think they'll spend big money on a free agent, but you know, there'd be some kind of competition there for the right guard spot. What do you think about uh, the possibility of them taking a center like Linderbaum in uh, from Iowa at center if uh, Kelsey retired? Cause he might be there. I don't think I love that. <laughs> I don't think I love that mentality in part because Jeff Stoutland has been able to work wonders. I feel like with lesser resources on the offensive line. So I don't really love taking a center out of all positions too, which I know has importance, but I feel like you can find centers more easily. Like you don't have to take like centers with premium picks. Like who are the teams around the league who are regularly like doing that? I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't think that has to be the case. Like look at uh, the guy the Chiefs got, like Green mm. Humphrey, and he was like one of the best Second centers round. and he was like yeah. what a day yeah. two fifty second yeah. overall so, or like, something like that. Yeah, I just think you can get one, a pretty good one later on, especially with Stout. I just don't think you spend that high I don't so I don't love that. So the ar- the argument theory. for him is gonna be like if you if you were to take a prospect out of this out of this draft and say, what is the cleanest comp from like one player in in college to right. a professional player already in the league, it's Linderbaum to Kelsey. Like they're like they're like mirror images of each other. Like you know, smaller, undersized kind of guys, but super athletic, smart, whatever. And uh, you know, they finish and whatever. So like, <laughs> I get it from that perspective, but I also think like chasing the uh, you know the yeah. the, the guy that uh, I mean, certainly like you would take a guy. 15th overall, if you know that you're going to get the same career that Jason Kelsey has had, um, sure. but, but you, you don't, don't know that you don't that know guy's that. going to be that, it's going to be that, that, that player. Um, and I think the idea of replacing uh, a player that you're like a great player that you're going to lose with a carbon copy of that guy is uh, it makes sense. Like I get it, but uh, I'm with you sort of that like <laughs> center in the first round is, or even that early in the first, like top, like, borderline mm-hmm. top half of the first round top 15 is uh i agree it's probably not the best use of resources but i do kind of see the logic in it 
and it depends who else is on the board, obviously, with anything. Um, but but yeah, so I would think so. So is it, is it what did you think? I don't think you said what you think they would do. Oh, so uh, if Kelsey retires, I I wonder. It, I, so like I'm I'm sort of uh, interested in how the Eagles value each of those interior O line spots. Like, do they value center substantially more? than the guard spots because if they do then maybe you just plug Dickerson right in at center and then he's your center for the next decade but you're so good at guard <laughs> like as the season you got so much better like he really improved as the season went along and he was like very good by the end of the year at guard do you want to mess with that and he's you know like a 340 pound guy which is sort of abnormal for the center position I think you just leave him at guard and you plug in Isaac Sayamalo there in the short term. I don't think Isaac Sayamalo is, you know, long for this roster. Like, I think he's maybe here another year or two, and then probably they, they, they move on from him, especially if, like, he can't stay healthy. Uh, they find a center elsewhere. But, uh, yeah, I'd probably have it as Dickerson stays at guard, left guard specifically. Um, Sayamalo moves into center. And then they clearly like Jack Driscoll more than they like Herbig uh, for whatever reason. Uh, but they, that's how they like it. Um, so it would be Driscoll. Driscoll's got to prove that he can stay healthy too. And then Nate Herbig is sort of like the uh, the versatile uh, guy who can fill in at all three spots. All right. Um, any takeaways to me from the quarterback play specifically this past <laughs> weekend with the best divisional or the best whatever playoff weekend or best football weekend, yeah. some are saying, ever with all the games – and how does that apply to the Eagles? <laughs> so, like, what were you? I guess let me ask you this way too, like, like, or, or even the listeners. It's just like what when you're watching those games, like, what is going through your head? Yeah. So, like, you look at like the four teams that are left, and three of them, two of them have a like no question about it, elite quarterbacks and Patrick Mahomes, or excuse me, the, 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 sorry, the, the not not the four the the four teams that are left, the the. Uh, the game that was like just that really was eye opening was Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Like those two guys were like they're on another level than any other you know quarterback in in the league just in terms of uh, their their age, their physical skills, and how good they are already you know early in their careers. And they're going to be awesome for a long time. If you have one of those guys, you're going to be competing for a Super Bowl every single year for the next decade. Like they're, they're both those teams are set for the next decade to like potentially make noise every year in the playoffs. That's where you want to be. <laughs> like if you're, if you're a team in the NFL, you're trying to build a roster. So like, is Jalen hurts anywhere near the level of those guys? No, but most teams don't ha- like finding that, that kind of guy is extremely difficult. Um, whatever you look at the four teams that are left. Joe Burrow is a stud. I don't think like their like their offensive line did, was the Bengals offensive line is atrocious. And like the way that he was able to navigate that game, uh, first of all, against the Raiders. And then last week against, um, who did they play again in the divisional round? Titans. Who did the Bengals play in the divisional round? Titans. Who? Oh, the Titans, right. Yeah. The Titans, Titans uh, especially their interior defensive line and Jeffrey Simmons and those guys, they're wrecking uh, the, the Bengals uh, interior line and on the edges as well. Um, and he was able to navigate that and, and pick up the win there. Um, and then you look at the NFC and you have sort of like the contrast of like, like two different arguments from the Eagles perspective. Like you have the Rams who traded two first round picks for Matthew Stafford. So like them making the NFC championship game sort of emboldens the, 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 you know, Eagles fans that 
think that they should trade, you know, multiple first round picks for a guy like Russell Wilson, for example. And then you have the other team in the 49ers <laughs> whose quarterback sucks, frankly. And like Mina Kimes, I like, like, I love that, like, she bashed <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. What did she say? Something to the effect of like, it's like a group project in school. The Niners are like a group project in school where like everyone is doing like a plus work and like the, the one, the, the one student kind of gets by like sort of, you know, hangs mm. off their, their coattails and gets good grade by doing nothing. And like she equated that. And then Jeff Garcia uh, got super oh, mad baby. about it. And, you know, he's getting dunked on left and right uh, because whatever. Anyway, uh, the, the, <laughs> You don't the quote unquote you don't need a great quarterback to get to the Super Bowl argument, I think is like one of the most insane ones that is out there. Like if you're the 49ers, you're in the NFC championship game because you blocked a field goal and you blocked a punt that you return for a touchdown. Like that's how you kind of gotta get there. And they play great defense and they have like other pieces around that, but there's certainly a ton of luck that went into them, you know, getting to where they are now. And while yes, they did get there with a bad quarterback. It's not like the ideal way to accomplish that, but that, but him being there is sort of going to embolden the folks who say, well, you don't need a great quarterback. You can build the roster up around a bad quarterback and you can still, you know, win Super Bowls that way. Uh, so it's, it's funny that the, it's sort of weird to me that, that, that it's not weird, but it's interesting that there's like that, that contrast in that NFC, NFC uh, championship game. But uh, I think what this last round of uh, playoff games showed us is that for the most part, like you got to get, you know, really good quarterback play to, you know, make any kind of noise in in the playoffs in the NFL. And uh, I don't think that Jalen Hurts is really close to, you know, a lot of the guys that we saw play this past weekend. Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't think that to me is a revelation, but um, on on the Jimmy G thing, Yes, you can get to the Super Bowl clearly with him, but he's a big reason why they didn't <laughs> yes. win the Super Bowl when they were in there against the Chiefs the last time. Like the superior quarterback emerged down the stretch in that game, and the and the lesser one faded. Um, so that's kind of a big deal. Uh, a couple other things: the Forty ers know that Jimmy G stinks. Like <laughs> yes. they traded up to draft Trey Lance. Now, obviously, they haven't been playing him, but it's not just like they're like you know what, we're good. We're just going to sit back and we're going to build around Jimmy G. Like they still made an effort to get a better one. So that's also relevant. And yeah, come, I, I just, it's not sustainable, man. And maybe, maybe it works for them. Maybe they get to the Super Bowl. It's just, it defies logic. Jimmy G has not thrown a touchdown pass. He's been a liability. My good friend, Rob Stats Guerrero, who I host the off day debrief with on the SB Nation NFL show each week is a 49ers fan. And he has been, Basically, like just harping on Jimmy G shouldn't even be playing before the season mm-hmm. began. So, uh, you know, I just I don't think that is the model at all the, like, to look at. The 49ers are the model that the Eagles. No, like, come on. That is more of the exception than the rule. And yeah, it is tough to find these special difference makers like Burrow like Josh Allen, like Mahomes. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Like you should mm-hmm. try. You should try to find that person because having that guy makes a huge difference it's a big freaking deal when you get that person and to like toot my own horn a little bit here i had the bengals making the afc championship game they're actually my super bowl pick um out of the afc because like they have a stud quarterback and i believed in him and i I believe that can like carry 
or he can carry them through a lot of the deficiencies that they have. Um, so I, I just, you have to, you, you cannot, we said it last week, so I'm not going to rehash the whole thing, but Jalen Hurts cannot just be your plan A. That's just not a viable strategy. And I don't think it will be. I don't think the Eagles think like that. But if he is like, you're, you're, we're not even going to look at any other options. We're just going to lock in on him. Like That would be such a disservice to everyone, quite frankly. The other shaky right, quarterback, Jimmy. by the way, in the divisional round was like Ryan Tannehill. And you're talking about a yeah. team that was number one seed, first round by, play the Bengals round one, and then... I mean, he was bad in that game through three interceptions. Granted, yep. a couple of those were tipped passes or whatever, but uh, yeah, but the first play of the game, yeah, I mean, he just was—he just wasn't very good. And uh, they're out, and they had a great roster around them with you know arguably the and you know either one A or one B running back in the NFL return from injury. Um, but yeah, they, they, they're one and done because their quarterback just isn't very good. Uh, so anyway, uh, you want to go to break here? Let's send it to break, Jimmy, but not before I tell you quickly again about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15, BGN15, for 15% off your order. You can pick out some great meat snacks that they have available there. They have the Craft Jerky, obviously. They have the meat tubes. They have non-meat snacks. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Artisan non-meat. <coughs> I'm losing my voice. Hold on. Brandon hit the cough button on his microphone and he is now hacking up a lung and he's back. I don't know why <laughs> that came about all of a sudden, but um, <clears throat> anyway, I, I can't talk now, Jimmy. I'm just losing my voice. This is terrible. I don't know. <clears throat> this is happening out of nowhere. All right. Can I talk now? Am I good? Go. All right. Don't Hopefully. cut any of that That's out. Just so, I, I don't even feel anything. I didn't feel any different throughout all of that. It's just like I just I'm talking and it's not coming out right. Anyway, uh, rightsofselling.com discount code BGN15. I can't be silenced to tell you all about this great deal that you should try out. Give it a try. You know what's the, what's the worst that could happen? You're getting a discount. You're helping support BGN Radio. You're getting uh, some great snacks. You're helping support a local business. Wins all the way around. Rightsofselling.com discount code BGN for 15 percent off your order. Do it. Back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on BGN Radio, where hopefully my voice will remain <laughs> intact for the rest of the show. Uh, hey, I, speaking of the oddcast, which I referenced with my good friend Stats, my co-host there, uh, he loses his voice a lot on the show. So maybe uh, somehow I've caught the loser voice bug from him. Your somehow. larynxes are, um, and I was, are, uh, are violating <sighs> the First Amendment rights. <laughs> I always feel bad because... Uh, It'll just be like halfway through the show and you can kind of tell he's losing it and he has to like mute and everything. So I can, I can, I can feel his pain now. Um, Jimmy, a couple, I wanted to get to a couple, actually one thing I forgot to add here. Uh, Eagles passing game coordinator, Kevin Petullo reportedly is getting some interest from the Chicago Mm -hmm. bears. I'm sure you saw this and uh, 
kind of just as inexplicable to me as some of the Jonathan Gannon <laughs> yeah. hype. Obviously not the same situation, but like, did you have any thoughts on that real quick? Well, so they hired uh, – who did they hire as their head coach again? Ryan the well, Ryan, well, they hired Ryan Matt Poles Eber, was their Ryan, GM. As their GM, and then Matt, Matt Eberflus, Eberflus, right, yeah, yeah. Flus, linebacker or a defensive their... coordinator for the for the for the Colts, uh, was a linebacker coach for a while with the Cowboys too. Um, but anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, Kevin Petullo, <laughs> like sort of like the same. Yeah, like you said, it's the same situation as like Gannon, where you look at like the 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 productivity of the of the defense, the actual defense that the Eagles had this year, and you go, oh, okay, why why is there heavy interest in this guy? <laughs> well, sort of similarly. Obviously, the Eagles' rushing offense was amazing in 2021. Sure. And if Jeff Statlin were, like, getting, you know, uh, heavy interest yeah. around their league, you go, yeah, of course. But the Eagles' passing offense wasn't super efficient or uh, pretty to watch uh, for the majority of the season. So when a guy – when the passing game coordinator is getting heavy interest, it's kind of like, uh, all right. <laughs> so the NFL co- coaching uh, – hiring cycles are uh, oftentimes confusing. And that's yet another one from this cycle. So I think it's even worse than the Gannon one in the sense that at least with Gannon, you could be like, well, the head coach has different responsibilities than the defensive coordinator, but the, the Chicago bears would be hiring Kevin <laughs> Tulo to be a yes. play caller. Yeah, on basically offense a lateral because move. the head coach is a defensive guy. So it's not like, like this, these numbers are absolutely relevant to me. And here's how the Eagles ranked in a number of key passing categories this season, Jimmy. Average team passer rating, 20th. And I included that, you know, average team passer rating, not just Jalen Hurts because Gardner mm-hmm. Minshew played. So that's 20th. Okay. Pass yards per game, 21st. Completion percentage, 26. Passing touchdowns per game, 28th. And then passing play percentage, 32nd. You want to hire the passing game coordinator from the team that passed the ball. <laughs> Fewer than any <laughs> right. other team in the NFL. Yeah. Okay. I guess like maybe because he was around Jalen Hurts and it's like, well, we can kind of do this with Justin Fields, but like that just seems, this isn't a Bears podcast, but that just seems really strange and bizarre to me that you would want to, like, I get wanting to lean into a player's strengths, but also like, don't you want to help maybe Justin Fields evolve as a passer and not just rely on running? I don't know. Anyway. That doesn't make sense to me, but I figured we should mention that. Yeah, it's 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 just uh, it's another guy to me that like if if he left, I almost kind of like like if Gannon left, I almost kind of felt like the Eagles would be like, ooh, don't hate it, maybe upgrade on him. <laughs> right. Similar thing here. Like I think if Petula left, they'd kind of be like, uh, all right, good luck, Kevin. We'll find somebody else. Anyway, I agree with that, and and also looking at those rankings that I just rattled off. That kind of made me put into context also, like going back to the quarterback thing real quick. It's like, you know, they had to pass the ball the fewest times in the NFL because the quarterback at some level like wasn't had deficiencies as a thrower. And that's just another hard thing for me to kind of wrap my head around in terms of like build around Jalen Hurts. Okay, like it's a quarterback who kind of can't throw <laughs> with a high frequency. All right. Anyway, I don't need to beat that to death. Um, stay or go. Back to Jalen Hurts. We'll start with him, Jimmy. I don't need to beat that to death. All right, stay or go, Jalen Hurts. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they backed him. We're going to go through five or six players here real quick. Uh, stay or go, uh, just so you know what we're doing, listeners. Uh, we'll start with Jalen Hurts. E, we And wait, we're doing should or will? Uh, let's do 
Well, why don't we do both? Okay. A little programming uh, on the spot decision making here. But we got to get through this quick because we still got a lot right. to get through. So, so I think you need like. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think ultimately they will uh, aggressively seek upgrades uh, at quarterback. But ultimately, I think they're going to find that the price is too much and they're going to feel comfortable enough uh, sticking with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback for one more season. Uh, which, of course, they set themselves up to do already anyway by sort of emphatically backing him uh, in their year-end press conferences, which don't put a lot of stock into that. Uh, I think they should uh, aggressively seek other quarterback uh, upgrades and actually go through with it uh, is, is sort of where I'm at. Yeah, he should be gone from the standpoint of not just get rid of him at any cost. Don't, don't, you're not dumping him, but um, he should be gone in the sense of they should be pursuing an elite quarterback and hopefully land one. But again, don't think that is the most likely thing. Don't think it's impossible, but don't think it is more likely than not. So right now I'm going to have to say should go, but we'll stay. Um, Jalen Rager next. We talked about this one yeah. last week, so I don't think we need to rehash all of it again, but I think he, <laughs> I think we both are going to say the same thing, what should happen and he yeah. should be gone. I will say he is gone just because, again, I don't know. What is his role on the team if he's not a top three receiver? Like, he's, he's nothing. He's not giving you anything on special teams. And I think we can't necessarily rule out, like, not that his side necessarily has a ton of leverage or power, but I think there's a good chance that Jalen Rager's camp might one out of here at yeah. this point. Like, he knows, like, he's getting booed already at the end of, you know, this past season. Like, it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. And I think... I think all sides might come to a, a point where like the agent and the player and the team just decide it's best to kind of just move on and they're not going to get much for him, obviously, but maybe again, you get someone else's bust or like, you know, something very, some very kind of meager return. But I think that's what's best, honestly, for everyone. And you think that's what they're going to do? Mm, yeah. Interesting. So I think he should be gone. <laughs> and like, and like you said, like uh, you go, he goes to some other team. Fans are excited about him. They pull up his, you know, college highlight yeah. reel, and they're like, "Oh, this, you know, he's a first round pick." The Eagles are stupid. Like, how are they just letting this guy go for a six or seven round pick? This is crazy. And they get all excited about him, and then eventually they're disappointed. But uh, yeah, I think he should go. But he's, I don't think he's going anywhere because they have two NFL wide receivers on the roster. And that's it right now. It's Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. And that's all they have. And you have a, a GM who took him in the first round, who has not only control over the 90 man roster, but also the 53 man roster. And uh, maybe even also the game day roster for all we know. Uh, so, you know, he, when you have that kind of power and you made this pick two years ago on this guy uh, and you have no depth at the position, He's going to be back. Like, I don't think there's really any doubt about it that, that Rager is going to be back uh, this season. I do think they're going to upgrade, uh, try to anyway, both in free agency and in the draft, like maybe one of each uh, this offseason. But um, I think he's going to get at least as long of a leash as J.J. Ortega-Whiteside did. Um and I think JJ will be done. Like I think I think he's going to be gone, but I, I do think Rager's going to be back for at least one more season. The guy who just doesn't even give the effort—it's just <laughs> it's, it's, you're spitting in the face, the face of a core value of Nick Sirianni and compete. That's, that's the number one thing, right? And he doesn't do that in terms of 
he loafs on his routes and he runs out of bounds. Anyway, um, <laughs> Derek Barnett, stay or go. I think both should be gone and will be gone and will get a surprising yes. contract from another team in free agency. Not like, you know, like top five money or top 10 money, but like surprisingly decent money just because he's a former first round pick and Ed Rushers get paid. And like he's a starter in the NFL to me. He's not like a great one, but he is like, he's kind of like, just a guy to me or yeah. that kind of level, like approaching that. But he's not like a backup to me. He's not like a backup player. I say he gets like three years, 30 million, something like that. Um, and yeah, he's gone. Uh, eight penalties, two and a half sacks. We saw Nick Sirianni's frustration with him on the sideline. It's always him. Uh, yeah. And and the other thing too, that the, the tell on him was he had his fifth year option uh, exercised by the Eagles uh, two off seasons ago. And then he played on his fifth year option in 2021 for over 10 million. They wound up, you know, converting some of that into a signing bonus and putting, you know, that money into dummy years going forward. He'll actually count for, even if he leaves in free agency, he's going to count for over 7 million on the Eagles cap in 2022. Uh, but the tell on that was when he was heading into this, into last year with that $10 million number, I thought they were going to try to, find a more, um, uh, you know, team friendly way of lowering that cap number, which would have been like a contract extension. But I think what obviously happened there was Derek Barnett and his camp had one idea of what Derek Barnett's value was. And the Eagles had another idea of what his value was, and they couldn't sort of come together on what that was and nothing got done. So the Eagles just uh, gave him a signing bonus and they kicked the money into future years and he's going to be gone this offseason because I don't, th- I don't think anything's going to change in terms of where Derek Barnett and his camp, you know, feels his value is and where the Eagles feel his value is because he had two and a half sacks and eight penalties this year. So he's going to move on. And like you said, I think he's going to get paid when, like, when the numbers come out on wherever he signs, the Eagle fans are just, like, you're just going to see like all up and down, like on Twitter on the timeline, LOL, ha ha ha, like, uh, whoever, whatever team signs them, idiots, blah, 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 blah. So, like, <laughs> I, I do think uh, you're right. He's going to get a, a surprising contract for wherever he goes. You just need to be a little bit smarter about how they handle some of these fifth-year option decisions in terms of, like, I, I get, like, picking them up at the time was reasonable, especially the Aguilar one, because at, back then it wasn't yes. fully guaranteed, and I guess Barnett's wasn't either. But um, No, Barnett's was. At some so point, Barnett's though, was guaranteed, yeah. Okay. Uh, but at some oh, point, no, we, like, no, you believe in this You're right. Player. I don't think it. You're. I don't think it did because the 2018 class, I think, was the first one to be grandfather, or there was okay. the last one to be. Yeah, but in any case, but it, it almost essentially gets guaranteed because you get to the you know the new league year, and then it becomes guaranteed at a certain point. It's not guaranteed at first, but also like you can't just cut that player, right? You're not like because it's it's as bad because they're going to be a contributor for you. Like you either have to cut them or then you're going to guarantee it or try to trade them. Anyway, my point is like they got into this limbo with Aguilar and Barnett where like they clearly liked them enough to want them around still, but not enough to like commit to. I I just don't love the limbo. It's like either you believe in this player or you don't like make a decision. Don't do this like halfway thing where you're, you're paying these players like pretty big money for one year. Tell me one year. And obviously the Eagles spread out Barnett's hit. But Nelson Aguilar that year was making $9.4 million when he was terrible in 2019. Like That's an insane decision to make. Do you think there's anyway, any chance they exercise uh, Andre Dillard's fifth-year option? That would be insane. <laughs> it would be insane. 
You can't do that, especially now that it is fully guaranteed from the jump. Yeah. Like, yeah, how I could see it on, on in one way where like they feel that he's like he showed enough during the 2021 season where, that he is a legitimate starter in the NFL and they just don't want to lose him for nothing when he becomes a free agent next off season. And they're like, well, screw that. We're not going to lose him for nothing. We're exercising his fifth year option. And we're going to give us, give ourselves a little longer of a cushion to maybe trade him to someone That's else. Dumb. I could see them doing that. I don't think it's a good idea, but I could see them maybe thinking yeah. that way. I can't put it past them <laughs> entirely, but it's, it'd be such a dumb decision. Like you're going to have this backup on your roster making like starter money and you can't even play right tackle. And that was another thing. I think, I don't know if I mentioned that from the playoff game that was like a takeaway. It's like, you know, where are your impact first round picks or what, where, what, what kind of impact are your first round picks having? And there was a situation where Andre Dillard in theory could have been playing because Lane Johnson had to leave the game, but Oh, he, he wasn't. And the Raven Clark is out there <laughs> right. instead because your first round pick can't even play another <laughs> right. position. Meanwhile, Jordan Mailata, who didn't even know how to play football has been like Dating back to earlier in his career, was like playing both sides of the offensive line. That's a great point, um, on even Clark. I so, hadn't, I hadn't even considered that, but that that that's a great point that he came into that game in the, in the playoffs. One other thing I will note so too I, is I just, like the cap is expected to explode in twenty twenty three. So if they yeah. did exercise his fifth year option, maybe it's not as you know <laughs> as painful. Yeah, but but still, it's like opportunity cost, right? Like you could be spending that ten million or whatever it is on like a player who can yeah, actually oh, for sure. start for I'm, the I'm team they and should help the do team it. in a big way. Like, <laughs> like it's not just and uh, what was the other thing on this? Um, oh, he should just be gone this off season. They need to trade him this off season. Get what they can for him. I think you said what day three pick is what you think yeah. fourth round pick maybe. I think they need to get what they can and move on. Yeah, like a three or a four. I think to. the three is probably a little. Uh you know, wishful thinking, but I think the the floor would be a four, a fourth round pick for him. And again, with Stoutland, like you don't need to freaking spend like a premium money on a backup tackle. Like you have Jeff Stoutland. Yeah. You can figure it out. He'll get, you can get a reasonably good backup, like, like someone of the Raven Clark's ilk. And that's not going to be a giant drop off from yeah. Andre Dillard. You can't convince me otherwise. And it wouldn't cost as much. Like you, that's just not good roster management. If you're spending like this, I get offensive line is important, but you can't just spend like literally every resource there and go overkill when there's a salary cap and you could be spending that money elsewhere. Like Jack ways. Driscoll is a more valuable um, player than Andre Diller. They found him in the compensatory pick area of the fourth round, like at the back right. end of the fourth round. So you're right. Like they can, they, yeah. can, they can find these guys later in the draft and develop them. That's the one position that they really can uh, develop. Yes. Fletcher Cox, stay or go? Uh, really tough call. And his contract, you, you like you have to be basically an accounting genius to <laughs> to get a handle on uh, exactly what's going on there. Um, but yeah, the, the the short, short version of his contract is that whether they keep, cut, or trade Fletcher Cox this offseason, um, they found creative ways to essentially dump uh, a ton of money, really. Uh, of his contract into the 2023 season when, again, like I said, the cap is expected to explode. But I think all options are on the table with him. I think if a decent enough offer comes along for him, then uh, the Eagles would be open to it. They got calls on him at the trade deadline. I think they were open to trading him at the trade deadline, but uh, the offer that they would have had to have gotten for the amount of you know dead money hit they would have had to have taken at that time just wasn't just didn't make enough sense for them to do it. I think it makes a little bit more sense this off season. Um, 
one thing I'll note about like the way that some teams think is Fletcher Cox had a bad year, obviously this year, or, or by Fletcher Cox standards had a bad year. And he looked disinterested for a big chunk of the season, especially early on. I thought he played harder and better as the season wore on and, you know, and, and they were becoming more and more competitive. Um, but I remember when the Eagles traded for Darius Slay, I know for a fact that the Eagles felt that uh, he would be better uh, with the Eagles than he was with the Lions because he would care more uh, with, with Philadelphia on a, on a team with better culture and better talent and, you know, has a chance to, to you know, compete for the playoffs there and, and all that. And then they went 4-11-1. 4-11-1, and then you know, they did go 9-8, made the playoffs this year. But the, I know that they, I know that that's the way they felt. They felt that he would give better effort in Philadelphia than he did in Detroit. And I can see another team out there looking at Fletcher Cox and, and thinking, uh, well, he didn't give great effort at times for Philadelphia last year, but if he's in our building, he's going to care more. So, like, I could see a team uh, sort of uh, thinking that way and, and making a decent enough offer. For, for a guy like Fletcher Cox, who's still, you know, a very good starter, uh, maybe not anywhere near the elite level player that he was. But yeah, I, I think that actually something will get done with them this year, especially with the Eagles now having, you know, Javon Hargrave had a breakout season last year, is now in the Pro Bowl after, I don't know exactly who opted out of that, but he's now in the Pro Bowl. And, uh, and, and, and Milton Williams came along at the end of the year this year, and I think maybe feel makes the Eagles feel a little bit more comfortable uh, sort of taking the training wheels off and trading a guy like Fletcher Cox so that he can move into a starting role. I think they should move on from Fletcher Cox, who, by the way, has four and a half sacks in his last 22 <laughs> games, stat. which is not – it's just it's a really bad – like I get that the stat doesn't show his impact alone, but you're paying this player elite money and you're getting four and a half sacks in like kind of like a season – and a half for a season and a quarter or whatever. It's just not good enough. Derek Barnett, by the way, four and a half sacks in his last 25 <laughs> games. Like, again, like, what are we yeah. doing? He had, he had two and a half in 17 games this season. Just like, come on. Um, yeah, so he, Fletcher Cox should be gone, but I don't think they will because they are sentimental and I don't trust them to always do the right thing in that regard. Jason Kelsey, we already touched on. I think I will lean towards, well, I mean, Obviously, we're both going to say should be back. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Eagles can have him back. They'll have him back. Um, will he be back? If you're leaning, I said I'm leaning towards. I am the too. Ace. I'm Coming with back. you. Yeah. Okay. Well, then there we go. Okay. So and then Steven Nelson, I wanted to put okay. this one on here because I think some people have been like, "What are we going to do with him? Or should we resign him?" He kind of had a good year, and I don't disagree. Um, I mean, he was fine. I don't think he was special by any means. You know, good number two cornerback, but. Steven Nelson isn't a guy that they should be breaking the bank for. He should be a guy that they kind of monitor his value. They kind of they give him an offer, maybe before free agency. It's probably more team-friendly. He probably isn't going to like it. He's going to want to test the market like he did last year. And he basically sat out the yeah. entire offseason after he was cut from the Steelers, right? And because I think Steven Nelson has a inflated valuation and not to like yeah. crap on him and say he's like delusional and players should, you know, obviously aim for the money they can get. But I think he clearly values himself way up here as I'm holding my hand high. And then the NFL and teams value him way lower than that. So there's a big gap there. And I think the Eagles are going to be kind of in that situation where they're not necessarily, the Eagles will have interest in him coming back. I don't think they're going to like not talk to him mm -hmm. or whatever, but I just don't think they're 
they're not, he's not going to be a priority for them, I think, by any means. And he shouldn't be. He's older. Um, you, you don't need to sign Steven Nelson to big money. If you can get him back at a reasonable rate, sure. But if not, then you just move on, especially with like Zach McPherson waiting in the wings. And then, you know, you're going to have three first round picks. Maybe you can get a cornerback or maybe sign one or whatever. There's no reason to, to give Nelson like any kind of big money deal. So I think he should be back if the price is reasonable, but I don't think that's the case. So I think in that vein, he should be gone. And I think he will be gone. I think I agree on that. Um, You, you mentioned his uh, free agency last year. He was released like after the meaty part of free agency, like a few weeks uh, after free agency kind of came away. So teams that needed corners had already addressed those uh, holes on the roster. And, uh, he, he's like you said, he, he kind of sat on the open market for months and months. And then finally uh, the Eagles signed him with, what was it? Like 3 million, something like that. It was a very small amount, uh, like very bargain right before training. Came I mean, it was too. a bargain for the Eagles for sure. Uh, they did a nice job getting him at what they got him at. Um, and I think you're right. Like, I think his value is probably a little more inflated. He did get one big contract uh, like pre- previously when he hit free agency. And I think he'll believe that, if he hits uh, the free agent market, uh, you know, like on day one on free agency, like he didn't get to do last year that, uh, you know, bigger offers will, will come his way. And I think that there's some truth to that, by the way, like average cornerback for like the, for CB two is far better than what we're sort of used to seeing <laughs> from like Eagles cornerbacks over the years. So like, I think that, uh, Steven Nelson's one year here, if it is only one year, will probably look, probably be looked upon, you know, kind of finally, uh, in that it, by comparison, he's you know been a lot better than a lot of uh, number two cornerbacks of yesteryear, like uh, Bradley Fletcher or like uh, oh man, who was number twenty one? Not Ronald Darby, but uh, even before him, came from the Bills. His name is escaping me. Uh, and Leotis yeah, McCalvin is another my guy. <laughs> I liked I him too. McCalvin, long time. <laughs> Long-time BGN radio listeners will know that is my guy. <laughs> love that guy. Uh, but but you also just look at like you also look great. like the uh, the the number of cornerbacks that the Eagles just sort of been stockpiling uh, over the last year. You mentioned uh, Zach McPherson, but they also traded for Josiah Scott. They uh, they got uh, Andre uh, Sachere. They traded for Tay Gowan. Uh, Mac McCain was on and off the roster constantly. Um, who am I missing? Kerry uh, Vincent what's Jr. That? Carrie Vincent Jr. Yeah, they Carrie traded Vincent for him as well. Jr. So they've they've uh, they've been acquiring all these cornerbacks, and I think probably their 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 feeling on that is throw a lot of stuff against the wall. You know, maybe one of them sticks in uh, in training camp next year and and becomes you know a, a guy that you can kind of rely on. So I'm with you. I I think that ultimately Stephen Nelson will move on. I thought like when they were two and five, I had him as their number one. Zach Ertz aside, uh, but like as their number one trade possibility because he was at least a competent corner. There's always teams out there that need help at cornerback. So I thought he was like a, a possibility at the, at the trade deadline. But um, I guess luckily for them, they didn't trade him because if they had, who knows how the, the Eagles got like weird uh, injury luck this year. It feels like every year they, they've always had like crazy number of cornerbacks go down, but uh, Slay and Nelson both stayed healthy for uh, the majority of the season. Uh, so we didn't get to see like any of those guys that I just mentioned play uh, until like the practice squad game week 18 against the Cowboys. And they kind of got lit up, <laughs> but, but, uh, um, but yeah, and I think, uh, like I said, Nelson's uh, one year here will be favorable, but I'm with you. I think he does move on. 
All right, Jeremy, we're late into the okay. pod here. So what do you want to do when it comes to the rest of what we have to talk about? Let's let's talk it out. All right. So uh, why don't we skip the off-season needs because we can do that next week maybe. Okay. But let, let's uh, – who are like some free agent uh, acquisitions? I'm sure you've taken at least a preliminary look. I don't know if you – have you put out any like posts on like some guys that you think might make sense? Uh, but I'm sure you've like taken at least a peek at like some guys that are available in free agency. So is there anyone that kind of stands out to you? Um, so my mind kind of goes to wide receiver yep. just because of, well, first of all, I like offense a lot. And also just the frustration of having Jalen Rager start <laughs> for your team and just being like, and not only that, but then also just being like, well, like who do you replace him with? Like, it's not like you just have an alternative to go to. People are saying like Greg Ward. Okay. Like I like Greg Ward in a vacuum for what he is, but this is a guy who was at the bottom of the league in yards per reception, as I've cited a lot uh, back when he was playing a lot. So, you know, obviously there's the big names who got hurt, like Chris Godwin, and I don't think they're yeah, going to him necessarily yeah, or, or Gallup. And Gallup kind of scares me just because signing former Cowboys <laughs> slash former NFC East players on the whole has not worked out well for them. I know that, like, I don't love saying that because that's not like a great process. It's You know what I mean? Like, let's say like DeMarcus Ware at his prime became available to the Eagles. Like would signing him be a bad move just because he played for the Cowboys? No, that would be a really good move because he was DeMarcus Ware. Like, you know, I don't think it's just as simple as he wore a certain uniform and now he can't be good for the Eagles, but you know, it's hard to deny that <laughs> they have. He feels like a player that, that would be bad with the Eagles if you signed with him. No, DeMarcus no, no. Ware? Michael Gallup. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, you're not breaking the bank for yes. that kind of guy too. Like, which it was kind of have an to ACL do. tear. I think or was Mike it, Williams is going to be with him. I think it was ACL. Um, Mike Williams is going to be pretty expensive, and I think the Chargers are just going to find a way to hang on to him. But he is exactly the kind of player mm-hmm. I think the Eagles need, like an X receiver, big guy. Um, I think they absolutely were missing that. I think Devontae Smith can do some of that, but you know, I think ideally you have more like a more prototypical kind of X. And then Devontae Smith, you kind of want him to be able to kind of just do everything on the field. Like, you can kind of just use him in a number mm-hmm. of different ways. Um, uh, Allen Robinson is a name going around, obviously. He's older. He's he's going to be 29, he's 29 entering the 22 season. Um, there's some injury history in his background. He wasn't really productive last year, but that actually doesn't concern me. I kind of like that as like a buy low opportunity in the sense that I really don't think Justin right. Fields is good. And I think Allen Robinson's value took a big hit right. because of that. Um, but I don't love the age thing. Uh, and I also don't love necessarily. So it's weird. I feel like the Eagles need an X, but they can't bring in. They're not looking to sign like a volume target, right? Like you don't want a guy. And that's kind of what Robinson has been. You need a guy who understands he's not going to be like mm-hmm. option one. Devontae Smith should be option one. And he should be running the off. He should be the target monster in the offense. So I think you kind of have to find the right fit there. Um, I like the name you mentioned, DJ Chark. Why don't you yeah, talk so about him Yeah, so he's 6'4". He's kind of string beanie in kind of his uh, body frame. He's 6'4", like 189, I think. But he's got some height. He's got, as Doug Peterson would say, he has some height. Height. Uh, he's got some speed. I think he ran like, like a 4'3'9", I want to say, at the Combine. Uh, Jaguars took him uh, at the end of the second round in 2018, but the uh, the link there is uh, Caldwell, Dave Caldwell, the uh, former Jags general manager who drafted him, is now an employee of the Eagles, and like he's he got they, so the Eagles brought him aboard in May after the draft, but you already kind of saw 
his influence on uh, the Eagles roster when they traded for Gardner Minshew and then also the aforementioned cornerback, Josiah Scott. Um, so, you know, how he's kind of gone to him already in terms of, um, you know, his knowledge of Jaguars players. And I think Chark makes a lot of sense in that he's a down the field receiver. He's got some height and um, he's going to be cheap, cheaper than he otherwise would be anyway, because uh, well, he was a pro bowler in 2019, uh, but 2020, his numbers fell off a little bit. Now, granted he was playing with uh, Minshew initially, but then uh, later a guy named Jake Luton and Mike <laughs> Lennon, <laughs> were his quarterbacks that year mm, and he still had over 800 yards that season and then this year uh he only played i think in four games he broke his ankle uh which ended his season so i think he's a guy that you know maybe after the first couple of days of free agency he doesn't like what he sees in terms of offers coming his way and maybe you get him on like an alshon jeffrey kind of deal where you get him for you know one year prove it kind of thing um you don't want to be paying too much but you get him around eight to ten million, something like that. I think that would be a deal that the Eagles would uh, would, would. I think that would make sense for him. The other guy that I think makes a lot of sense, but is wholly unexciting, is uh, Zach Pascal, the uh, wide receiver on the Colts. And I say him for a couple different reasons. Well, the main reason why is Nick Sirianni has made it clear that he loves that guy. So like dur- during Nick Sirianni's opening press conference, like after he got hired by the team, he mentioned 13 different players with whom he felt he had a special relationship. And Zach Pascal was like near the top of that list of, of the names that he, that he rattled off uh, both from his time in, in uh, with the chargers and uh, with the Colts um, later in the season, he had mentioned that, or actually uh, prior to the Eagles final preseason game, he said that he showed players clips of five different players who sort of stamp their ticket to the roster on that final preseason game, like really did something that stood out and that helped them make the roster. Uh, Austin Eckler was one of them, for example. Uh, I forget the others, but one of them was Zach Pascal again. So he said like Zach Pascal was, it was that guy. And then also Zach Pascal is sort of indirectly responsible for the whole quote unquote dog mentality thing in Philadelphia here, because uh, uh, Zach Berman wrote a story for uh, The Athletic back, uh, I want to say it was like September of this year, where there was, uh, I, I guess, Pascal, Pascal's paths crossed with uh, a guy who was a cancer survivor, and he got a, uh, a sweatshirt that said, Dog um, dog Culture. And uh, this, was at, this is when Nick Sirianni was with the Colts. And uh, some Colts players liked Pascal's sweatshirt, and so did Sirianni. And um, uh, ultimately, when the Eagles and the, I guess they got, the Colts got got shirts like that at the time, uh, when Nick Sirianni got hired by the Eagles, uh, I think he reached out to Pascal, and Pascal, you know, directed him to this cancer survivor who made these shirts, and um, he ordered like two hundred of them <laughs> for for the Eagles players and and whoever else wanted them. Um, and, you know, so anyway, Nick, pa- uh, Zach Pascal is sort of indirectly, like I said, responsible for Nick Sirianni's whole dog mentality theme. So if there's a guy that like Nick Sirianni loves, uh, it's that guy. Now his numbers aren't super impressive. He had like 600 something yards in the, in the two seasons, uh, prior to this one in 2019 and 2020. Um, 
started most of those games for the Colts this past year with Sirianni gone and uh, being forced to play with Carson Wentz. His numbers took a nosedive. Like he had like 300 something yards despite playing like 800 snaps or something like that. So what he's really known for is being like a, an outstanding blocker. So I think he's a guy that will appeal to Nick Sirianni given the way that Nick Sirianni has uh, praised J.J. Ortega-Whitesides, uh, calling him his blocking, calling him, him an enforcer uh, in enforcer. the Eagles offense. I think Zach Paschal can be maybe that guy for the Eagles, but also on occasion, maybe catch a football. So uh, I think he makes a lot of sense as, a, as sort of a low-cost uh, Eagles free agent acquisition this year. I buy to looking at Pascal's numbers here going from 600 uh, in 2019 and 2020 and also efficient, by the way, he is at 14.8 yards per reception in 2019 and 14.3. So that's pretty good. And he had five touchdowns mm-hmm. each of those years too. So again, yeah, pretty like effect, not necessarily a volume player, but like efficient kind of player, efficient contributor. And I don't know how that necessarily fits in the offense and that like, ideally you want a number two, with Devante and then that Quez is kind of that number yeah. three target where kind of seems like Pascal would be the number three guy and Quez would still be the number two, which I mean, I, I would buy into Quez. I like Quez. It's nothing against Quez, but like Quez with Jalen Hurts just doesn't seem to be a number two receiver for him, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I buy into when I just talked about like Allen Robinson kind of ha- coming off a down year and maybe you can buy mm-hmm. low on him because of the quarterback was bad. Well, I certainly, I think <laughs> by that with yeah. Pascal and maybe him, like, cause think about, like, you know, not to say that uh, JJ took off with Hertz, but Wentz like wouldn't even throw his way. And they clearly weren't on the same page really much at all. Uh, so it seems to me, I could totally buy that Wentz and Pascal for whatever reason. Cause we saw it. There's certain receivers uh, that Carson Wentz just doesn't like target yeah. or just doesn't totally just doesn't right. work with, doesn't jibe with Alshon so Jeffrey. I can see that being the case. <laughs> Alshon Jeffrey. So, okay. Uh, any other free agents, I guess you quickly want to mention maybe on defense, anyone on that side? Yeah. Of the ball? So I think the one guy that kind of stood out to me, and this is kind of dependent on whether, um, you know, Jonathan Gannon re- remains the Eagles defensive coordinator, which I think at this point he probably will. I think his last hope is probably the Texans. So depending on uh, any new, we're recording this by the way, right now it is 1036 on Friday. So if he, if news breaks on that by the time this podcast is released, sorry, not our fault. Uh, but if his defense remains intact, I think they really need to upgrade that Sam position where Jannard Avery is. And I think a guy that can, this guy won't be cheap, but uh, Uchenna Nuosu, uh, from from the Chargers can play that Sam role in in the Eagles defense, and uh, he's a guy that I think he had like five and a half sacks this year. Um, but he's an upgrade on Jannard Avery across the board uh, as a pass rusher in coverage and against the run. And he's a guy that like is disruptive, can make plays. Uh, had a really spectacular interception against Pat- Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in a game that they won uh, early in the year. But he's a guy that uh, I-, I think is a perfect fit at the Sam position. Like we used to call that before, before like we remember we used to call that like the Anthony Barr position in the Eagles in the Eagles defense. Actually, it's funny because Anthony Barr is a free agent that is available this offseason, but I think even more so than Anthony Barr playing the Anthony Barr position. I think Uchenna Nuosu is a younger player um with a little bit more explosiveness who would I mean be perfect fit and they can actually, you know, use uh the, you know, they would utilize that role in the defense a lot more than they did this year with uh, Jannard Avery and Patrick Johnson. 
He was a beast, by the way, Nuosu, in the final game of the regular season mm-hmm. against the Raiders. He, I remember him being really active in that game. And he also doesn't turn 26 until okay. December. So, like, that's the exact kind of player you want to be adding on defense because the Eagles' defense has a lot of older players on it to begin with, especially their better players on that side of the ball. Um, and that's which is obviously why a lot of people want to see the Eagles use, you know, multiple first round picks on the defense and get younger and more talented there. And I get that. But yeah, so if you are targeting someone on defense, ideally, yes, it would be someone who could kind of be a building block piece, a, a guy for multiple years. Um, like, uh, one more to, thing on him too. No, he was brought okay. in in 2018 on a, on an Eagles pre-draft visit. Uh, so at one time they there did have go. interest in him. Uh, prior to the draft, which is interesting because he wasn't really a great fit for their defense at the time. So, like, I don't know what what uh, role they sort of envisioned for him then, but uh, they did have interest in him. This is four D chess, that? Jimmy. Howie, how, this is four D chess here. <laughs> Howie right. Roseman knew. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, interesting that they did have interest in him four years ago. I wonder if the Eagles will sign a safety in part because they don't have one mm-hmm. under contract for next year. I mean, maybe they just bring Rodney McLeod back and try to pair him with a young guy, or they. They like Marcus Epps enough. I don't think Anthony Harris will be back, by the way. Speaking of a stay or go, um, that doesn't seem like something you need to kind of pursue another year. I think he's fine, but like, you know, I don't know. This doesn't seem like it's, it would just be another kind of stopgap thing. Um, and there are some pretty good yeah. safeties available in free agency. Jesse Bates is one of the best free agents on the market. Obviously, that would take a really big deal. And I don't know. I think it'll get the tagged. Bengals might just yeah, tag him or, or find a a way to get him back. I think they yeah. want to keep him. Um, Marcus Williams, though, mm-hmm. also out there from the Saints, who, by the way, uh, are in a not great salary cap situation. So pretty right. decent chance he will make it to the market. Um, so I think that's a position to watch. I don't know if they're going to splurge, but Howie Roseman has admitted in the past that safety isn't necessarily a position <laughs> he feels great about yeah. evaluating. Oh, here's another name I'd keep an eye on. I know he's older, but Quandre oh, Diggs. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever... If you've ever seen Darius Slay's Twitter, he's an incredibly big fan of his former Lions teammate, Quandre Diggs, um, who since played for the Seattle Seahawks and has made a lot of plays. He is uh, 13 interceptions in mm-hmm. 38 games for the Seahawks. So fumbles, I think, uh, too, I would definitely, if I recall. Yes. So I, I would keep an eye. He's a little bit older, but maybe like for the price. And I think maybe, hey, if Darius Slay can convince the Eagles to like put him in offense, maybe he has some sway enough to be like, hey, go sign my guy. Um, so I would keep an eye on that name as well. I think it was one of mine last All right, year, Jimmy. actually, Quandre Diggs. But whatever. Um, why don't we get to our picks? But not before we hear about Christian Roach of Roach Realtors, who, by the way, my good friend Zach, uh, who listens to the podcast, mentioned that he didn't really realize – like and I, and I guess I didn't even realize this that some listeners might not realize that uh, you are in a relationship with Kristen <laughs> Roach of Roach Realtors, and I had mentioned last week that oh Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors in the background. He was like, wait, why is the realtor just in Jimmy's place? Um, so there you go. If you didn't pick up on yeah, that, she somehow. lives here. She lives in my house with me. So yes, <laughs> but yes, eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five is her phone number again. Eight five six. Nine zero six nine two nine five. If you're looking to buy or sell your house, give her a call. Email me. Whatever you're most comfortable doing. Uh, she is the was voted by God as the best realtor on the planet. Um, so she's got that going for her. Or go to RoachRealtors.com. Brandon, back after this. 
Chris the Roach of Road Trail Tours. Road Trail Tours. Road Trail Tours. Chris the Roach of Road Trail Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. 856-906-9295. Nine two nine five. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, and it's time for our NFL picks against the spread. We're we're here. We're at to me. I've always felt like personally, a lot of people were saying last week divisional round. Oh, divisional round is the best week of football each year, and going into that. I was like, I don't agree with this. <laughs> and then I was made to look like a fool because all the games are really right. good. But to me, at the at the very least, I always feel like the championship games well, that's are way the best better than the day Super Bowl. of football. The people are talking for the divisional round, okay. the best weekend of football. Because you get two games on Saturday, you get two uh, two games Saturday, two yeah, games Sunday. It. But I, I agree it. with you. Yeah, this is the best day of football of the season. I just think there's so much at stake. Yeah, like, these games awesome. are so they're so <laughs> like it feels which I know it might sound a little silly because the Super Bowl, there's the most at stake, but like this, this is just a different dynamic because you're at home. It's not like in this weird neutral site where a lot of the people in this the seat, like they're not even true fans. Yeah. They're just vendors or whatever. Um, and there's just so much build up to the Super Bowl that I think it kind of loses some of its juice because it's just like it's too much. It's just there's two weeks. And by the time the game is here, you're like, all right, like finally, like you're kind of relieved it's here as opposed to the championship game. It's just the one week. And then you're coming off some of these emotional divisional games. And I don't know. I just think I always like the championship weekend. I think there's just so much. I'm I'm a guy who thinks that like Thursday is one of the best days of the week because the anticipation of Friday and the weekend is great. I love okay. the anticipation. So I love the anticipation. Um, okay. Uh, here's where we are at with our picks, Jimmy. You still have a chance okay. to catch me because you went three and one last week. I went one and three. You are 51 and 49. That's quite a comeback. I was like down by like 10 at some point, wasn't I? Something like that. Uh, I mean, not even, I mean, not by the way, against, against myself. Like I, I was like, I was like 10 games in the hole from 500. I scratched and clawed my way back. I am. Good job. Little self paddle. I am tied for, (laughs) good job, Jimmy. I am tied for first. No one cares for this. Uh, people cared about what you said, but not what I'm about to say. I am tied for first with the BGN community in our straight okay. up picks. On so, if you want to vote in that, go to bleedinggreennation.com and look for the polls that you can vote on this week's game. So it's coming down to a photo finish. It's going to be interesting to see uh, who's going to win that. Um, but you have a chance to beat me here if you if basically I think we have to disagree because you're down two. So you we have to disagree on every pick for you for you to have to a chance to, to yeah, beat yeah, me yeah. cleanly. So. To give you the chance to do that and to not be a jerk and to like let you make you pick first and then I can just pick the same thing. I will go first with okay. all my picks here for the rest right. of the year. I appreciate that. Uh, assuming you're still in play for the Super Bowl. If the Super Bowl doesn't matter. Who cares? But um, all right. So we'll start with the Bengals who are at the Chiefs. And I think it's really tough to take Cincinnati here because the offensive line is a real issue and it's Patrick Mahomes. And it's Andy Reid, and the Bills basically almost played a perfect game. Not quite, but almost last week, and they still lost. The Chiefs are kind of just inevitable. Like they're, they're just really tough to beat in airhead. And I know the Bengals already beat the Chiefs this year, but 
you know, I think doing that twice and also doing it in Arrowhead instead of Cincy this time is a big challenge. So I can't pick the Bengals outright. That being said, I am willing to go down with Joe Burrow with the points mm. because first of all, he's just fun to root for and I want it to happen and I won't regret it. I will not regret in my mind being like, I bet on Joe Burrow. I really like Joe Burrow a lot and I think he's worth betting on. Even if the Bengals get blown out, I'm not going to feel like a total, du- I, I won't regret it. I might, maybe I'll feel dumb in the moment, but I'm not going to like kick myself for it. I will be okay going with uh, Joe Burrow to at least make this game competitive and cover the seven points. I feel like you're going to. Well, I am, but not artificially. Like I actually would have taken the Chiefs here and uh, I'll take them to cover as well. Uh, For me, like I've kind of felt like the Chiefs were the best team in the NFL for a few months now. Like when they started or like they started the season, I mean, sort of well below expectations. It was weird because like they were losing a lot of games and then they kept getting bailed out by playing some crappy NFC East team. Like they really needed a game against the Eagles and they got that. They really needed a game against the Giants. They got that. They really needed one against Washington at the right time. They got that. Uh, And that sort of kept them afloat for a while early in the season. And their defense was really bad early in the year. Then their defense picked it up and their offense kind of like wasn't cooperating anymore. And then around like week 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there, they kind of put it all together. And they have, in my opinion, since then been, I think, pretty clearly the best team in the NFL. Um, so just on that alone, I'm taking the Chiefs. But then also, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, that Bengals offensive line, holy crap, they're bad. And like, I like Joe Bar- Burrow a lot too. And Jamar Chase is awesome. And then like, you got like Tyler Boyd and you got T Higgins and Uzama's a good tight end. And like their defense played some big boy football against the Titans last week. Yeah. So like, there's a lot that I like about this Bengals team, but they're just not, they're just not on the chiefs level right now. And, uh, and give me the chiefs and, and I'll leave the seven. Brings us to the NFC Championship game where the 49ers will take on the Rams. And I just, I can't take the 49ers. I can't do it. I know that they own the Rams. Yeah. Was I it get six, it. Is it six straight it's against them? Six straight. But like some of those games have been close. They've been one score games, which, you know, tend to be coin flips in the NFL. So it's not just like they've blown them out every time. And you look at the last matchup between these two teams and the Rams were up early in that game and it went to overtime. And obviously the 49ers, you know, pulled it out and they won, but it wasn't like the 40, the Rams couldn't have won yeah. that game. Like they were in control of the, and they blew it, whatever, but it was still a close game. So I just don't like love the idea. Like the Rams don't stand a chance, which I feel like some of the 49ers like picks are coming from because it's like, Oh, they just always mm-hmm. own this team. Um, Matthew Stafford uh, has been a little bit better, you know, than he was obviously to end the season. Um, the, the Rams almost blowing it last week is concerning. I don't love betting on Sean McVay, but I can't in good conscience take the conscience, not conscious, conscience, take the worst quarterback remaining in <laughs> yes. the playoffs, not only this week, but last week as well. And a guy who has not thrown a touchdown pass and just continue to assume that the 49ers are going to win in spite of Jimmy G. Like I just, that goes against my ethos and what I believe in. So I can't, I can't do it. I can't feel good about that. I don't feel amazing about the Rams, but I will take them um, because I think the quarterback is better. I think that the star power on their defense, they can make some good plays. I think Cooper Cup, the 49ers aren't going to have an answer for him. Not many people do, as Dan Klausner likes to point out in our private group chat. 
Um, so I'm going to take the Rams to win, and this sets you up to take the 49ers. I'm not going to take the 49ers because I, wow, but then well, I'll tie win. you uh, during the Super Bowl, and then we'll come up with some sort of tiebreaker. <laughs> okay. But I can't, I can't take Jimmy, Jimmy G. I can't, especially after like Jeff Garcia just ruined any chance of them winning this game. Like it's, it's like there's no way this ends with uh, Jeff Garcia not totally having an egg on his face for picking on freaking Mina Kimes. Like, are you kidding me? So, but like, I think you're underselling, by the way, Matthew Stafford. You're saying he's a little bit better. He was awesome in that game last week. And the throw that he made, like, remember like early in the season, uh, uh, Chargers quarterback. I can't believe I can't think of it. Justin Herbert made that crazy throw against the Giants where he's kind of rolling to his right and he just chucked it like 60, 65 yards or whatever. Uh, I forget who caught it, but um, I remember Dan- Daniel Jeremiah at the time said that's the best throw I've ever I've, I've ever seen. And oh, um, yeah. I think the throw that Matthew Stafford wasn't quite as good as that throw, but no. yeah. that was a was that. It was, it was a really good, throw. but it, yeah, it was not the Getting Herbert throw. by Dominican Sue as he's, he's it's it's on his back foot. He threw it like fifty five yards in the air on the money to Cooper Cup, and then they as soon as they you know complete that, they rush down the field, spike it, and they kick the field goal for the win. I thought he was outstanding in that game. Uh, obviously, we saw early in the year, first eight games or so, he was playing at like an MVP level, and then he wasn't good in the back half of the season. And, uh, you know, he didn't attempt a lot of passes in the wild card round. Who did they play again in the wild card round? The Rams? It was an easy win. Oh, the Cardinals. They just stopped all over the Cardinals. They didn't need Matthew Stafford to do much in that game, uh, but he was good in that game. And then in the divisional round, I, I thought he was just really, really good. Um, so, you know, I, I think maybe he's back on track. But for me, it's exactly what you said. Jimmy G stinks. Like, I can't just keep, I just can't keep thinking that they're going to win in these really weird ways. Um, I, the the six-game winning streak does concern me to, uh, on some level. But uh, ultimately, I think this Rams uh, roster is, is you know, obviously they have the better quarterback. And then you look at, like, what they have on defense with um, Aaron Donald and Von Miller's playing really well now. And Jalen Ramsey, they have star power uh, both on offense and defense. Uh, yeah, give me the Rams. I, I just think they're a much better football team. And I'll, I'll I'll gladly lay three and a half points. Odds makers think that by three and a half points, these teams are kind of equal. Eh, I don't think so. I'll lay the three and a half. All right. So those are our picks. So we're predicting a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl because I you know I took the Bengals with the points, but not outright. Um, so a couple of uh, it would, so... would have been like the Battle of Missouri, which would have been, uh, but you know before the Rams moved, which would have been the right. most boring subplot ever. For a Super Bowl. But anyway, whatever. I'm kind of bored of seeing the Chiefs in it, <laughs> but whatever. Um, and also, but I I would be rooting for them, obviously, over the Rams. I cannot see Sean McVay win. I, I can't I can't have it happen. Uh, all right, Jimmy. Um, those are our picks. What's coming up next? Uh, right. The so the Senior, senior bowl. bowl is the week of practices begin on Tuesday of next week, which would be... February 1st. Um, so uh, fun event each year. I get to see my old buddy Tommy Lawler down there every year. Uh, we hang out. We have some beers. We watch the practices. Uh, don't know how much of that will be going on with COVID and whatnot. But um, I think the player. Use some beers while you watch the practices. <laughs> uh, maybe going forward. It's not a bad idea. But no, we haven't done that. Um, the player that I think I'm most interested in seeing down there is Devin Lloyd. 
the linebacker from Utah, who has been commonly mocked to the Eagles in these early mock drafts. Now, uh, we know that the Eagles are adverse to drafting linebackers in the first round. I do think it's more possible this year than it has been in the past for an assortment of reasons. One, they have three first round picks. So I think that makes it more, uh, you know, palatable for them to address linebacker in the first round. And then also I think the linebacker position is, it's more important uh, in Jonathan Gannon's defense than it was. It's harder to play anyway. There's more responsibility in Jonathan Gannon's defense than there was in Jim Schwartz's defense. So maybe that changes things a bit. Um, But that's the guy that, I mean, it's just a beast, uh, athletic, you know, good size playmaker uh, for for that uh, Utah defense this year. And I'm interested to see what he does against like really, you know, solid competition. All right. Um, so we'll have some updates, I guess. We'll we'll figure that out from Senior Bowl mm-hmm. or after Senior Bowl, whatever, um, when we record next week. But uh, that does it for this week's episode. I will say check out BGN. Stay tuned to BGN because we have a special interview coming up with an oh. Eagles player that you're okay. not going to want to miss. Pretty prominent player. So check that out coming up on the feed. If it's not already up by the time this is posted, go back and look. Um, make sure you check. So that'll be exciting. Also, vote for us in those podcast awards. Again, the way to do that is in the description of this episode on whatever app you're listening to, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You should be able to look at the description of the episode and see the steps there. We'd really appreciate it if you voted for us. If you're listening this far into the podcast, I am assuming you like it to some <laughs> level. Or you really, it's a big hate listen for you. And uh, I guess that's okay too. But um if you want to make sure it sticks around, then you would still want to vote for it because then you want to help support your hate listen. Something like that. So uh, we appreciate the support. Rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. Check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky by going to RighteousFelon.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Same discount code BGN15 works at WildNaturePet.com for 15% off dog treats. You can call or text Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors if you're looking to buy, sell, rent a house or looking for real estate advice by contacting Eight. this number that Jimmy will give you right here. 856-906-9295. And I think that just about does it, Jimmy. So we're going to wrap this up and we'll see you next week on BGN radio. Goodbye, everybody. BGN. <laughs>